0: All right, guys, welcome back to Lesson 80. Here we are, Numbers 12 through 13. And, I, you know, I just got to say, well done. You guys have been plowing through, can you believe this, 80 days, and you still are with us. Isn't that awesome? You know, when you think about studying the Word of God for you're like, oh, yeah, I made a, a year commitment to read the Word of God, or, oh, I'm doing two years, you're still doing this. After 21 days, or even after 40 days, something's got to become a habit. <laughs> and I would just say, here we are, we are walking this thing out on a daily basis, And, you know, when we're talking about Numbers 12, it's kind of a critical, it's a huge, huge chapter. We're not even going to hang out there much. But remember, Numbers 12, 1 through 3, this is the only time that we really saw Miriam really just fall. Obviously, the sister of Moses, Aaron, he has his moments often. You know, Exodus 32 and the whole golden calf thing. But they criticized their brother because of a Cushite woman. It was just really an excuse that he married. Because the reality is in verse 2, if you'll keep going, Kevin, Does the Lord speak only through Moses? They really just wanted to find an excuse to come at Moses about him being the only leader. Like, hey, what about us, the brother and the sister duo? You know, so they question his leadership and the Lord heard it. And you got to understand this in verse three. Now you got to go to verse three, Kevin. This is the best. Moses, who's writing this, describes himself as a very humble man. In fact, more than any man on the face of the earth.
1: Never to come in existence, just him.
0: No issue with false humility here. <laughs> so anyway, so they're questioning, right, everything. And so then in Judges, in, in Numbers uh, 12, 4 through 10, then you see judgment come on Miriam. Obviously the whole, you know, the whole leprosy thing, right? And so her hand turns into leprosy, it comes into the uh, uh, into her cloak, she pulls it out. In seven days, she's told to leave, to go out. And so it's just kind of crazy to me how all of this unfolds, but it's just in Numbers 12 when you see Uh, judgment come on on the family because they didn't support Moses I think you imagine Miriam oh man I really probably shouldn't have questioned my brother so that's the backdrop in Numbers 12 to jump into verse uh into Numbers 13 verse 1 so here you have the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 2 send man well I gotta ask though how do you think Moses felt like oh yeah well my sister questioned me and now she got kicked out of the camp for a little bit so you know, makes me think, Janae and Shannon and I, we better get along.
1: Well, it's interesting that, that Aaron played along with it because Moses said, you're going to be the high priest, so I don't understand why he was questioning. Like He was a leader in the camp, so just like, why was he even questioning that? Because he wanted more. I guess he just wasn't happy with his status. You know, it
0: just seems to me like Aaron, here he has his sons, they have issues. You know, the whole golden calf and the Israelites, they have issues. It's just kind of it feels like... And Aaron will probably talk to me about this in heaven. he would be like, why'd you go so far? But you know, like, I feel like he's a pushover. Just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do the work that God's given to me. But oh, oh yeah, sister, you're right. My brother, he's issues. And oh, you guys, we don't know where Moses is. Let's make a golden calf. So like, anyway, that's the backdrop to Numbers 13. And Moses doesn't even care. Like, here we go, guys. Let's keep going. And says the Lord spoke to Moses. And in verse two, here we go. It says, send men, okay, this is cool, to scout out the land of Canaan. I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who's a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. So, Taylor, let's just go here for a second. How many, how many scouts is he asking for? Twelve. Twelve. Was that a question you guys before?
1: Yes, totally it was a question. Okay. He thought it was just two.
0: <laughs> all right, so now watch this. This is fun, all right? So, one man, twelve total. Remember, God has promised this land. Kevin, can you go to Deuteronomy 1, verse 19? I think this is important. Moses is holding on to what happened and what his, his his patriarchs, the fathers, were told him, by the way, I'm going to give you this land. Kevin, can you go to verse 20 if you would? Uh, yeah, keep going to verse 21. Yeah, so look in verse 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you, just as... Uh, Abraham had said, just as Isaac had said, just as Jacob had said, by the way, we are going to be given land. And Moses is told, watch in Deuteronomy, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Okay. So that's the backdrop. I want to make sure I'm going to choose 12 men that are going to go into the promised land that are embrace it. It's crazy. In verse not, I just want to say this. When you hear the word scout, let's not overlook this. You know, I think of a baseball scout. This is just my mindset. You know, these guys travel all over the United States. They look at a team of players and they look to find one or two that they're like, I really get that person. So that's the mentality. I want you to go scout the land. I want you to, now here we already know they're at Kadash Barnea, okay? That the wilderness of Zen. And so they're supposed to start heading this direction into the land. We want you to go check it out. And, oh, by the way, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And so Moses, he picks, I would say, the cream of the crop, wouldn't you think? Like the elite, the athletic, the guys that are, are constantly like, I got this. He's not going to pick any pansies. Oh no, I don't want to. Like these are the guys that are strong. And so here are their names. I'm going to write them out. In fact, Kevin, as I write them, can you can you pronounce them to me? Anyway, so from the tribe of Reuben in verse four, we have, what's the first name? Shamamua. This is going to be great. What did you have for breakfast, Kevin? Shamua. Okay, good, Kevin. That's from he's from he's from Reuben, right? Okay, let's keep going, Kevin. In number verse five, who do we have? Shafat. Kevin, don't call me that. You're so fat, you know. So we have Shafat, He's from Simeon. Okay, uh, let's keep going here. We have twelve guys. We're going after Taylor, not two. This one's a little easier. I think I got this one. Caleb. Caleb, awesome. Tom, is this where you got your son's name from? no oh what (laughs) well move on i love the honesty he so didn't lie he's like nope didn't go the biblical route it just happened to be caleb in the bible all right (laughs) caleb by the way is mentioned 31 times in the old testament tom you happen to miss that a couple times apparently (laughs) all right kevin let's keep going here a gal okay good and what tribe is he with Issachar okay so now remember this you guys these are the men of the men like this is the 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 elite these are the navy seals right this is a fair assessment these are the the rangers of the American army right this is the crew okay so keep that in the back of your mind okay Kevin number five
1: Hosea or Joshua
0: (laughs) Hosea okay he is with what tribe
1: he's from Ephraim
0: okay good okay so we got five let's keep going Palti okay Palti sounds Italian Uh, He is with the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, keep going, Kevin. Gadiel. All right, good. We're in verse 10. Uh, Gadiel, what tribe is he with, Kevin? Zebulun. You're adding accents as you talk. This is really good, Kevin. All right, keep going. Uh, We are in verse 11 of Numbers 13. Gaddy. He's with what tribe? Manasseh. Manasseh. Remember... Manasseh and, and Taylor, this is where sometimes it gets a little confusing. Ephraim and Manasseh come from the tribe of Joseph. Thanks for letting me teach to you today, Taylor. This is great. Uh, Keep going here. Emil. Um, Emil. All right. He is from the tribe of Dan. Okay, good. Uh, We're going to keep going here. Sether. Sether. And he is with what tribe? Asher. Okay, keep going. Nabi. Nabi. He's with what tribe? Natali. Naphtali. And then the last one is? Ghoul. Mm-hmm, ghoul. All right, so here's the deal. In verse 16, it says, These were the names of the men Moses sent to scout out the land, the cream of the crop, Scripture says in verse 16. And Moses, this is interesting enough, named Hosea, son of Nun, Joshua. Okay, so this is kind of important to me. There's a tribe missing. The Levites, man, they're pacifists. They're not because they end up fighting at times. But the mentality is, is that they are not going to own the land, right? So they're not going to go scout the land. Simple, simple illustration. So, Hosea becomes Joshua, and we know earlier on, Joshua is the one, the assistant to Moses, who said very simply, hey, remember that those two guys, they're, they're prophesying? Remember that was our introduction to, to Joshua at times? And so I love this. His name gets changed to Joshua. Now, just a couple little pictures here, because I really don't want to miss the significance of Joshua and the Messiah. Hosea means, ready this, desire for salvation, Okay. Hoshea means a desire for salvation. Now Joshua means the Lord saves in salvation. The Lord saves. The Lord is salvation, okay? So it's no longer desiring. It, he is. Does that make sense? Joshua and Jesus become two forms of, of the same name. And in some ways, by Moses... I like this. One commentator says this. By Moses changing Hosea's name to Joshua... It's almost an act of a ritual adoption. He's almost saying, I now take you into my family. He didn't do that for anybody else. I mean, if I was Shamuah, I would be like, hey, you want to change my name? (laughs) Cool. Hey, how about me, please? (laughs) But I love it because it it establishes. I mean, think about this. God changed the names of people, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. He changed Isaac, uh, no, Jacob to Israel, like it indicates a special relationship between the Lord and that person. Moses is, is doing the same thing. He's he's saying, I have a special relationship with with you. Now here's where it gets fun. In verse 17, now the scouting report begins to take place. Verses 17 through 20, we're gonna see, guys, I'm gonna tell you what I want you to look for. So as you're going into this land, a good leader will tell them, This is what I want you to look for. This is what I'm hoping for. In fact, this last week we had some missionaries from Ohio, we gathered together. And uh, we were talking about as they go into the counties. And we were really talking about when you interact with the government officials or when you interact with the media, this is the lens I want you to start looking for. When you interact with the educational system, these are the people I want you to look for. And I really believe Moses is telling them, guys, as you go into this community, as you scout, this is what I want you to see. Can I just tell you this, though? You know what it implies? They're going out and they're doing something. You're not going to see change. You're not going to see a move of God if you're like, hey, scout out the land and let's twiddle our thumbs in the wilderness of Zin. I worked on that. That was pretty good. You know, if you're on radio, you can't see it. But man, I'm mastering these twiddling of the thumbs. So like you can't just like, oh, Lord, give me the land and then stay in Kadesh Barnea. You got to go. And so he says in verse 17, go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. That's like Texas language, isn't it? Go up to the hill country. Verse 18, he says, and as you go, see what the land is like. So I want you to look for like the land mentality. okay? and then, by the way, I want you to see what are the people like? Are they strong or are they they weak? Are there few or are there a ton of them? Are there many? So, like, I want you to look for the land. I want you to look for the people. I want you to describe what is it. What are the people like? And then in verse nineteen, is the land they live in good or bad? Are there cities and do they live in encampments or fortifications? So he's giving them the specifications, a checklist. Okay, yep, good land. You know, like he's walking them through. And then in verse 20, is the land fertile or unproductive? Like, do they have fruit or no fruit? Are there trees in it or no trees? Hey, by the way, be courageous. Get a backbone, you 12. I need you to own this. Bring back some fruit from the land. So not only are you scouting it, you're stealing it. Is that a fair statement? Eh. Is is it their land? Well, God promised it. So technically, they're just taking what's theirs. At the s- they could have bought it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure scouts are saying, hey, how much would you like for this fruit?
1: By the way, in a few weeks, we're going to come in and kick your tail and take your leg.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. But we know that it was a season for the... Kevin, that's awesome. Oh, here's four shekels. May I please have your fruit? I love it. This is awesome. Okay, so it was a season for the first ripe grapes. Okay, so we know that this is, is, is taking place. This is how they're supposed to do this. So then in verse 21, they put their hands in the middle just like Taylor and I and our team for the Hoopsters, right? Our sixth grade, our six-year-old basketball team. One, two, three. Hoopsters, like one, two, three. What do you think they'd say? Scout. Scout. Kevin, it's motivational, courageous, or promised land. Promised land. <laughs> Kick their tails, whatever it is, right? So they're excited. They're pumped up, like everything. They're playing, you know, like Pearl Jam in the background. They're like, let's go. I mean, do you not ever play Pearl Jam when you went out to games and stuff? Like, they are hyped. Like, there's nothing about... This is like, you guys have to understand something. This is decades of people talking about going into the land. You understand this. Like, this is all the way back to Abraham and saying, you're going to be given the land. And now these are the 12, Shemua, Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Joshua, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Emi, Sather, Nabi, and Ghul. Ghul! 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 <laughs> You are the 12. And like, this is an incredible assignment from the Lord. And so in verse 21, they went up, they scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin. Now check this out. Okay. When we say they went out and scouted out the land, this wasn't like, oh yeah, let's go a couple, couple feet. Just from this point right here of the Dead Sea, watch this. They go through Arad, the valley of a skull. We'll come back to the Hebron. Keep going. Bethel, and then it says, watch this, from Bethel to Shechem, and then uh, Beth-Shehan up to Lake Galilee, keep going, one more, it says that they end up in Rehob, okay? That's a long journey, at least from the Dead Sea to the Lake Galilee, that's at least, am I right, guys, 87 miles? That's correct. That's, by the way, they're not in dune buggies in the wilderness. They're walking. They don't have incredible elite armor because they're a Navy SEAL. It's the twelve. We need to see a movie on this, The Twelve Spies. Or in Taylor's words, The Two Spies. (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't like how it ended. It would be such a letdown. It is such a letdown. Rich, come on, let's get there. All right, so here we go. So they went and they scattered out. They went as far as Rahab. So in other words, they went all the way, it says, to the entrance to Hamath. Hamath, not Hamas. In verse 22, they went up through the Negev. They came to Hebron. Now, just so you know, this Hebron place, you guys, oh my, how much has happened in Hebron, Okay. Hebron was the place to be. Abram, he built an altar in Genesis 13, 18. That's what he did. He built an altar in Hebron. Abraham and Isaac, uh, they were buried in Genesis 49, 31 in Hebron. Lots has taken place. David's capital, Hebron. Here we go again. The inheritance of Caleb. Guess what? In Joshua 14, verse 13, Caleb received the inheritance that was Hebron. And so over and over again, this is the place to be. They came to Hebron, okay, so 12 guys. Uh, wouldn't you love to have been like, you know, a little bird just following this conversation? Hey, what do you think about that? That's like, ah, pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Hey, check out them grapes over there. You know, like the conversations they were just walking through land fertile, unproductive. Are the people mighty? Are they strong? <laughs> Are they buying their food or not buying their food, right? Uh, you know, all these things. And so they're walking through Hebron. And then it just says, And they came to Hebron where Ahaman, Sheshe, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were living. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Okay, just a little bit of, of a backdrop there. Uh, scripture continues on in verse 23. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, okay? When they came to the valley of Eshkol, okay, uh, they cut down a branch, with a single cluster of grapes, which was carried on a pole by two men. It's time now to go to painting 101. (laughs) Single pole, two men. You want to know the coolest thing about this is? Is that this is the Israel Ministry of Tourism. Oh no, my arms weren't long enough. The Israel Ministry of Tourism logo. Do you guys know this, Rich? You've seen this, haven't you? So the Imat logo comes from the 12 spies uh, uh, here in the Valley of Eshkol. Why? Because they found grapes. Hmm. What do you guys think? It was a single cluster. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) Again, they probably bought it as well. If you've ever seen the Israel Ministry of Tourism poll... Rich, will you help him?
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just took the
0: one and they paid for the other. <laughs> so it was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and figs and put them in their pockets. They didn't. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes that Israel's, Israelites cut there, Kevin. They cut them. They didn't buy them. So just now we're all on the same page. At the end of how many days did they scout, Taylor?
1: Twelve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For 40 days, they scouted the land all the way from Kadesh Barnea all the way up to Hamath. All the way for 40 days, checking out everything, everything um, that Moses told them to look for. So now watch this. It says in verse 26, the men, they went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community. Everybody was excited. Everybody was waiting. They come back to the wilderness here of Zin. They come back to Kadesh Barnea and, and they begin to bring back a report. The whole community. And then they showed them the fruit of the land. Look, look, look what we got. And so for me, I think it's incredible because it says in verse 27, they reported to Moses. And here's what I would say. I, I just It's two simple words. They came back and they gave a fruit report. And it says that we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, absolutely. It's flowing with milk and honey and and in fact, look at the fruit. Here is some of its fruit. And Kevin, just, I want to walk through a little bit because I want people to understand how much the Israelites were ingrained that they're going to be going to a land that's flowing of milk and honey. I mean, how many times have we talked about this over and over and over? In fact, let's go to, uh, let's start in Exodus 3 verse 8. I just kind of build a little case and you're going to say, well, that's kind of monotonous. So why, are, why are we going over this over? Because that's all they have hearing, you guys. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from a land to the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And oh, by the way, it is the territory of these people, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I want to just say something, the Amorites, it doesn't say Ammonites, the Amorites. As you continue to study in the book of Numbers, you're going to see the importance of the Amorites that they're going to go after and not the Ammonites. There's just a couple of little things that we'll, we'll talk about here. But again, look, the land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's not done there. Verse 17 of Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 17, over and over. Remember, Moses is hearing this language. He said, I promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of Canaanites. Describes the people groups. And then he says, a land flowing with milk and honey. So the fruit report is, is, oh, by the way, even amidst all of this, we're seeing fruit. Everything that you've promised, God, we're we're actually seeing. Exodus 13, verse 5. Everything that you have told us, we are seeing. Exodus 13 verse 5, when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, Hittites, and these people, which he swore to your fathers that he'd give you a land flowing with milk and honey. Look what it says. You must carry out this ritual. Implying he's going to give you the land, implying the land's going to be flowing with milk and honey. And yes, there's going to be enemies. He's not candy coating this. This is what I love about God. He doesn't just say you're going into the land and he doesn't mention the enemies. He mentions the enemies almost every time. And so like if you're true to what you're hearing the truth, even though the enemies are there. You still have to recognize God's going to give it to us. You see, God always prepares us for what's ahead. He doesn't just paint a picture and say it's going to be peaches and roses. Is that a phrase? I don't know. Peaches and roses. It's not going to all be picture perfect. But He's got your back. And He says it over and over. Exodus 33, verse 3. That land that's flowing with milk and honey, I'm going to give it to you. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. And then he really gets into this because you're a stiff-necked people group. But what? What does he say before they get to this process? I'm going to give you the land. This land is flowing with milk and honey. All right, so that's the fruit report. I could go in just so you know. There's multiple verses that continues to talk about this. But now watch. Watch what they do. These 12, right now at this point, we know that there's 12. We don't know who's saying the report. We just know that the scouts are saying the report. And then it says in verse 28, what I would say, they go from a fruit report to a fear report. And it says this, however, the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay, we understand that they're really, really tall and Deuteronomy describes it. These people are big. And the Amalekites, Amalekites, Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they live by the sea and along the Jordan. Well, God is still faithful with his word. He said these people were going to be here. So you're just giving a report that God already said. And then it continues on in verse 30. Then Caleb, he quieted the people in the presence of Moses. So somewhere in there, we know Caleb begins to stand out. He says, we must go up and take the possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. He said, hush, be quiet. I believe that this can happen. All of this land, I believe it's ours. We must go up. In verse 31, Scripture continues. But the men who had gone with them responded, we can't go up against the people because they're stronger than we are. Verse 32, so they gave a negative report. They gave a fear report to the Israelites about the land that they scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. Well, we already heard you say that. But it's not all. Nah, it's crazy. In verse 33, it continues on. uh, Yeah, in verse 33, it says, We even saw the Nephilim there. The offspring of Anak were descended from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same (laughs) to them. Oh, man, where do I start? If God promises us something, he's going to allow it to come to fruition. The question is, and this is a fair question, when you look at your scouting, which way do you go? And Kevin, can you do me a favor? Can you go to 2 Timothy 1.7? 2 Timothy 1.7 is what I believe, for me, <laughs> this is where we have to go. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, so what? You see some big guys. Okay, so what? You see that it's a little bit of rougher terrain on certain areas, but he gave us a, not of a, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. This is how we're going to combat this. <laughs> now think about this, and we're going we're gonna to wrap all of this up. Kadash Barnea, this place right here, it's known as the scouting report. And when they come back, they give a negative report. It's 70 miles southwest of Hebron, 50 miles from Beersheba. Kadash Barnea becomes the place as the base camp that they are getting ready to go into land. strangely enough, it's also Korah's Rebellion in number 16, Kadesh is also the same place where Korah's rebellion is against Moses. It's kind of like this is the place that begins to fall in where people don't want to do what God's asking them to do. Like how many times did we talk about, just uh, yesterday, about these people that are, oh, I want to eat the meat. You let a little bit creep into the camp. I promise you, it begins to take hold of everybody. And Kadesh Barnea, this is exactly what's happening. Kadesh is where Miriam, the sister of Moses, actually is end up being buried. It's actually where Moses, strangely enough, in this area, he actually dishonors the Lord by striking the rock. This becomes a place in my mind of Kadesh Barnea, of a place of, of rebellion and resistance. And yet even the Lord has said over and over again, I'm going to give you fruit. I don't know, guys. I, w- I want to go to you for a second. It- why, why do the, the scouts come back, the 10, saying, we don't think this can happen?
1: They start seeing things with their eyes and not what they see on the outside, and they forget They forget the promises. Even though they've heard it, they, they see with fear.
0: Okay, so one point, I want to go to Rich and Taylor and Tom, if you guys have anything else. I want to go to this. So part of the fear was that they forgot the word. True?
1: True. They forgot the promises of God.
0: And because they forgot that, they they camped out in their own world and not in his world. I don't know. Rich, what else? Why else would they?
1: Uh, They just didn't trust God at his word. When I I hear this story, I think of Luke 8. You know, Jesus tells his guys, hey, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. And then a big storm comes up. And these guys freak out because of the wind and the waves. And Jesus, like, stands up, calms them. He says, oh, you little faith. You know, where's your faith? But the the beginning part of that Jesus says we're going to go to the other side and if god says it it's going to happen you just need to trust him it may not look like you think how it should look but you
0: just need to trust me cuz we're going to get there i mean it's a good word uh, taylor you want to add anything to that
1: uh, i just think of john 16:33 when he says like in this world you'll have trouble he's like he's telling them yeah there's going to be some bad dudes there you're going to be scared whatever but fear not i've gone before you so it's like I mean, that's not until John, so maybe they haven't been
0: told that yet. Yeah. But still, the mentality is, and I want to I quote what Warren Wiersbe says, that I think describes everything the three of you just said. Tom, I think you're okay. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> Wiersbe says this, okay? A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And God tests our faith to help us make sure it's Genuine. And then that helps us grow. So a tested faith is what allows us to become more like Him. Well, oh yeah, just go ahead. I'll give you the land. Go ahead, I right, just cross the Red Sea, it'll be fine. Like every one of these components requires us to take radical faith. And I think what we're seeing is, is that not all the time um, do we trust Him, we trust ourselves. One of the commentators just says, whatever he promises, I love this, he'll perform. Whatever God promises, he'll perform. Romans 4 verse 21. Kevin, will you go there? Whatever God promises, he'll perform because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. You guys, we have to believe that God's promises are going to come to fruition. And it has to come with faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6, this is what he's asking about. This is what he requires of us. Scripture is pretty clear. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You want to know what it really comes down to? The scouting report? It actually has nothing nothing to do with the scouting. It has everything to do with whether or not they had faith that God was going to be faithful to his word. And we know at this point, at at least 10 of them said, no way. And at this point in the chapters of Numbers uh, 13, we know that Caleb says, no, no, God is a God of his word. All right, that's lesson 80. Lord bless you all, and we'll continue this on tomorrow. Thanks.